Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. I'm Mr. Hare, the host, and I am joined today by one of my phenomenal co-hosts, Mr. Moreland. Hello. And Mr. L- Excuse me, our special guest host, Mr. Kylie. Yes, hello. You're yeah. joining us again. Doing yes, this podcast's favorite guest host. That's right. You are our favorite guest host and a wonderful, wonderful uh, substitute for any one of us out. And we are joined by the magnificent, the marvelous, the magnanimous, Ms. Miernick. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. How are you doing today? I'm here. This is your first time on the podcast. <laughs> we are glad to have you. And as always, we're going to quickly go over exactly what we're going to be doing today. And so we're going to be talking about some quick news stories. As always, we're going to bring up what's going on with Twitter. We actually are going to check the hashtag. Is that right, Mr. Moreland? Yes, but I don't know what we're going to find. I don't know what we're going to find. We're all going to find out together. We're going to look at the basketball season's coming to an end and how you can support the Manassas Park Cougars in their conquest to win the state championship. We're going to talk about some news stories of the week, and then we're going to jump into a burning question and our interview for the week. But I kind of want to check in with everybody first. Mr. Moreland, how have you been? How's everything going? Pretty good. We're set to uh, do the SOL writing essay for 10th grade next week. So a lot of nervous students, but I'm sure they'll be fine. I mean, the SOL is changing. Uh, I Actually, it was kind of funny that we talked about what they could have done. I said, if you've been born a year or two earlier, this could have been your prompt as we were talking about how to unpack a prompt and figure out what you're supposed to do with it. Uh, so who knows? I mean, couple of years from now, it may change again. Who knows? We'll see. I'm very excited one way or another. I know that we've talked about in the past offline that you're making these changes to coincide a little bit better with the overall SOL schedule. Yes. So anything that we can do to help the students do better, we're always excited to. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kylie, it's been a while since you were our special yes, guest. Welcome back. Yeah, anything I, exciting happened lately? I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah, I'm you know just settling into my new classes uh, pretty well this semester. Um, Hitting the history books again for, you know, uh, refreshing myself on USVA history. So. Absolutely. How do you like having a, do you have bus duty for in fourth block? Oh, uh, yes. I How do. do you like bus duty? I actually do not mind it that much. Okay. Because, uh, I don't have to be there quite as long as my duty before. <laughs> I understand that. Now, Ms. Mernick, how has your semester been going? I know as an ESOL teacher, you've been pushing into my classroom and I'm yes. very grateful. Oh, How's it going? Well, um, the semester started and I have a lot of science to learn. I am pushing into Mr. Hare's class, physics and earth science, algebra, and um, yeah. But the highlight of my whole life and this whole month is WIDA testing, which affects about 30% to 40% of the population of the school and um, has essentially been our focus for the whole month of February. And it's not over. We still have one more week. And um, and then I will be looking forward to when it is over. Awesome. I'm sure our <laughs> students are as well, but you have been doing a great job as my co-teacher, and I am glad to have you every other day. Now, with all that being said, we're going to jump right into it. I want to let everybody know that the Manassas Park High School Cougars are going to be playing a basketball play-in game tonight against George Mason. If they win this game, they will advance and have another playoff game at a later date this month. They haven't quite settled on when and where yet. But we're hoping that the Cougars go out and win one so that we can have another playoff game. Have anybody been to the basketball games this season? No, unfortunately, I haven't been able to go as many as I would have liked to. Sure, sure. 
it's always exciting when we're in the run for the playoffs. So hopefully we can uh, see how that goes. And either way, our basketball players are doing a great job. They've always been, you know, doing their best out there. They had a great season last season. We'll just see if they can match this one. So it's very exciting times. You uh, may have seen me at the home games, you know, announcing the starting lineups for the varsity. Very (laughs) good. So with a voice like that, we had to have you on the podcast, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kylie. Yes. uh, Yeah, I put on my announcer voice, you know, um, you know, and now, ladies and gentlemen, all that good, all that good stuff. <laughs> now, have you ever done a slam dunk before the game, just to no show them how it's done? No. <laughs> I, I actually, I think I overestimate my ability to hit three pointers because oh, no. I'm first. That's what my thought is always. I'm like, why don't they go for a three pointer every time? Uh, so, but it's been a long time since I played basketball. So you know, Excellent. that is probably. And that's okay. We're just glad, again, that you could make time for us to be here with us today. I am happy to be here. So, Mr. Moreland, what is the hashtag for Masses Park? Uh, So, we had a teacher professional development day. And the hashtag that was suggested for Manassas Park High School News was hashtag Manassas Park HS with the H and S capitalized and Manassas and Park capitalized as well. Uh, that was previously only seen on Twitter being used to uh, show off the helmets that a local business painted for the football team a while back. But since uh, we've adopted it as our own hashtag, there's been a lot of posts now from teachers, administration, students, all sorts of people who do the hashtag Manassas Park HS uh, tag. And that's led to a lot more of the actual Manassas Park High School news getting posted instead of just one small thing from a couple years back. We appreciate the helmet being painted by the local business, but if that's all it's used for, it's not effective. So now a lot of people are picking that up and taking it with them. And that's really great for uh, the school and, and getting all the outreach out there. Everybody letting them know what's going on in Manassas Park. Would you mind just picking one that catches your eye and reading the tweet to us? Well, Mr. Bouchelon has been tweeting a lot. Uh, I need to catch up with him, to be honest, because we're supposed to be tweeting at least once a week. That's right. So he said, I'm completely blown away by the creativity and complexity of my AP Bio students' organelle election projects today. Incredible art, graphic design, speech, and debate skills, and answers to every question. And they have vote for lysosome, lysosome, chloroplast, you literally need us to survive, and mitochondria. There's a couple of great campaign posters for these uh, parts of the cell. So... You know, it's just something great that we wouldn't have known about had he not been able to tweet it out with the hashtag Manassas Park High School. It may have been lost in the ether, to use another science word, had we not. That is a science term. Uh, seen that. One that, uh, one that, if you study physics, has a long history of being ridiculed. But that being said, I would like to let you know we will be posting on the hashtag. In fact, we will be posting at our Twitter account, which is at PWUT Podcast or... Oh, Mr. Lumpkin's not here. At P What Podcast. We will be recording and we'll be putting our our uh, our Twitter account up there. I was hoping Mr. Kylie would jump oh, in there. I, you know, I was kind of thinking that. I. It's okay. You're supposed I, to be Mr. Lumpkin yeah, today. Yeah, but I wasn't entirely sure. Like, it's okay. We want you to do that. Yeah. So we will be doing that a little bit later. But yes, if you follow us at P What Podcast, you can get latest news on all of our postings. And you can even t- give us feedback, which helps us make the show better. Now, that being said, is there any news from the anime or the uh, gaming Club, Mr. Moore? 
Well, honestly, I haven't been in the anime club very much lately. It's either been because Monday was a holiday or Correct. we had meetings to go to. So it's Correct. kind of been, you know, put on the back burner, unfortunately. But we will be having anime club next Monday. Okay. Uh, so if you want to come out, that'd be great. Uh, we are watching a lot of different shows right now. We've been mixing it up between, was it Dr. Stone? Dr. Stone was one, mm-hmm. which and is really good. I might add, it is a very good Yes, episode. watch the whole season, yes. and I'm waiting for the rest. We were watching <laughs> Yeah, they said it'll be back next year, yeah. yeah. was one, and I was looking at movies uh, that are out right now. My Hero Academia is going to be releasing a movie. Right, we're about Young All Might, I think. Yes, on the 23rd, I believe. So I may ask the students at Anime Club, like, if they're interested in, like, trying to set up something to probably do, like, a, a field yeah, trip sure. or something. We'll talk to Miss Sowers and the people that we need to talk to to figure out what the, you know, absolute criteria would be for that. If they're interested, we can see about it. If they're not, I mean, maybe they can just, like, all go at the same time and, you know, enjoy it. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, just some ideas we're throwing around there. For Game Club, uh, it's kind of been trucking along. We've, you know... Had Mr. Lumpkin been absent, so uh, it's been a little bit uh, tougher to get everybody situated. But we had Game Club Wednesday. We did board games, so a throwback a little bit. I saw that. What was the game they were playing? I don't remember the name of it, but it's something to do with building a village. Yeah. Uh, the students were Casperanza or something like something that? Something with a C. Uh, and today, Someone is furiously shouting at their mic right now. Oh, yeah. Today, the Switch is back. And so they're playing the Switch. They are indeed. They are playing Smash Brothers for Friday. And it's very exciting. It's always good to have them in there. The date that Mr. Mullen was telling you is February 24th. It will be in room 250. And we'll be watching either Dr. Stone, Gundam Seed, or we might check out a movie if we get the option to do so. Is that right? Well, we'll have to figure out if we do a field trip, that'll have to be planned out. And so we're back. We're still using this new system. This way we don't lose all of our audio like before. But we have about a 10-minute limit. So we're trying to make sure we get everything spliced together for you. But like Mr. Mullen was saying, we're looking at trying to put together a trip. But at the meantime, on the 24th, Anime Club will be meeting in room 250 to watch, at a minimum, Dr. Stone or Gundam Seed. Is that right? Yes. And we were also watching Shingu Secret of the Stellar Wars but I'm not sure if we're going to pick that up or not. We'll see. It's actually a pretty good show. But, you know, they were watching Dr. Stone. So it's just a matter of what the students want to do. Absolutely. We'll see what they want and we'll give them exactly what they want. Now, I want to jump right into our news stories. Mr. Kylie, as our special guest, I saw that you had a pretty interesting story. Would uh, you mind telling us about it? Yes, uh, I would not mind at all. <clears throat> so... I like to look at Science Daily when I'm a guest on here to uh, find a science story. And one I found today, and I'd actually read a little bit about this um, about a week ago. Um, But the title is Antibiotics Discovered That Kill Bacteria in a New Way. So first I'm going to describe um, kind of you know, traditional antibiotics sure. and these new ones, and then why this is all significant as well. Go for um, it. So, as uh, some, you know, you sh- may have heard of the antibiotics like penicillin, things like that. Um, most of the antibiotics now, they work by um, preventing cell walls. Um, um, or no, they pre- they prevent cell walls from building in the first place, antibiotics like penicillin. But these new ones, they have uh, discovered 
Um, it looks like they're called Corbomycin and Complistatin. Um, I am not a doctor, so hopefully that was uh, a close pronunciation. We'll say it's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so they work kind of in the opposite way. They prevent cell walls from being broken down. And I liked in the article the way one of these um, scientists described it. That may not sound like a bad thing at first, but, um, you know, bacteria are single cell organisms. So if they cannot break down their cell wall, it is like um, they can't divide, expand, they can't, you know, uh, reproduce. So it's like they are trapped in a prison, kind of. That's that's what I took from article right there, that part. Um, I liked that. I thought that was a good description of it. And so why am I even talking about this? Why is this significant to anyone at all? Um, so I don't know if anyone has heard of uh, antibiotic resistance. Um, that is a big problem. Basically, it's um, antibiotics become less effective over time. Um, you know, as we use them more and more, they become less effective. Bacteria, um, you know, evolve to, uh, you know, counteract the effects of the antibiotics. So this new, these new uh, antibiotics, you know, that function in a different way, this should be a huge uh, help to us in, you know, combating uh, some of those things. So we don't, you know, kind of end up back in the middle ages where if you get a cut on your finger, you could end up, you know, that's that it could kill you. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully these, uh, you know, are able to, you know, be used wide more in a more widespread way. So yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, there are a lot of antibiotics, antibiotic resistant bacteria. Uh, MRSA comes to mind. Yes. That's one that's particularly nasty. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a thing that we need to keep an eye on. So if we have new antibiotics, new research, new developments, mm -hmm. we can still protect ourselves. Because like you said, the last thing you want is to get a paper cut and that kind of be the end of your mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. At least I, I wouldn't want that to be in my story. But Mr. Moreland, I know you also brought up a pretty good one. Now, there was some debate on what you were going to pick. <clears throat> what did you eventually decide on? Well, I thought I would look at a story that you could say is an oldie but a goodie. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> so... There's a man in Alabama. As there are many. His name is Lloyd Black. Okay. Is this the start of a of a uh, of one of those walk hard, <laughs> like a walk hard song? <laughs> it might as well be. All okay. right. So he's 91 years young. Excellent. And he decided one day to join the gym because he's been having trouble accomplishing just basic household tasks. He's like, sure. I don't have enough strength, so I got to work up to get my strength up. So he joined Anytime Fitness, which has not paid for the sponsorship of this commercial. Right. right. He joined a gym. Yes. And uh, he wears his overalls and a button-up shirt to the gym with some sketchy sneakers who also are not sponsors. They are not uh, sponsored. And we are also not sponsored by overalls or <laughs> big button-up. Well, you want in, you're going to have to let us know. We're, we're keeping our, our fingers crossed. But anyway, so Lloyd Black, Mr. Black, has been working at the gym for over a year now. Oh, wow. And he has gone from being able to walk on the treadmill for just 10 minutes before getting too tired to now being able to do all the exercises he needs to do every day to help build up his strength. And he's even been helping other people 
operate the machines if they don't know how to work the machines. Oh wow! Uh, he will go up to other what they're called silver sneakers, elderly people who work out at the gym, and help them figure out how to work out. And when asked about why he wears overalls and button-up shirts to the gym, he says because they're comfortable. That's very smart. And the overalls keep his pants from falling down. Well, so that's very wise of him. I love this story, especially because it just t- talks about how no matter how old you are, staying healthy is important. That's right. And also, even if you think you can't do something, you don't know until you try because he's 91. Right. Yeah. He's 91. If he, he didn't get out to the gym, he's shaming us all. No one has any excuse. He not is only shaming that, us. Not to only be that, healthy. but he couldn't do that much when he first started, just like maybe some of our students. They may not be able to do math or physics That's right. or write but if you when start, they first start. But if you keep it up, you keep working at it, and you don't give up, eventually you'll be the one telling other people how to do stuff, That's teaching other people. Right. I'm very, I love this story. This is a great story, Mr. Mullen. I'm glad you shared it with us. So I also brought up a news story, and the news story, ostensibly, is what if we could teach photons to behave like electrons? Now, this is all a lot of science talk, but photons are little bundles of energy that are emitted from an energy source. So, for example, the sun sends us light and heat, and it sends it to us in the form of photons. Electrons are an elementary particle that have a negative charge. They're on the outside of atoms. Every atom has them. And they're pretty much used for more or less electricity. So if you have any sort of charge or current running, it's the electrons that are moving. For the purposes of this, a team at Stanford created a system where they can convince a photon to act like an electron. So if you look at your computer right now or your cell phone, all of the data is carried by electrons. The photons don't really act that way. Electrons are predictable. They're all the same. They all kind of work in the same way, but photons don't. Each photon can be unique. Each photon can have different energy. Each photon can have a different wavelength. With this, we actually send this experiment done by Stanford. They send the photons through a maze, which then induce a fake magnetic field, which cause the photons to act in a specific way, a predictable manner. If we use this technology, we can find a way to create more stable streams of photons. We can get closer to that quantum computer that I've been talking about all year. And again, I only want it so that I can have faster, better video games. I don't want to solve any hard problems. I don't want to do advanced cryptography. I just want my video games to run in a stable 4K60. But of course, that's not important. The quantum computing is coming. They are working rapidly on the technology, and this technology is very exciting to me. So with that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to have an interview with the wonderful Miss Mirnick. Are you ready? Sure. She's ready. We'll be right back. And we're back with our interview with Miss Mirnick. I wanted to ask you a few questions, and I'd like to know if that'd be okay. Sure. So we have three questions, or should be five principal questions that we ask, the first of which is where... Did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Me which too. Is Central Jersey, which is a thing, but not really a thing. If you talk to people in New Jersey, it's, like it's a, a thing. It's a debatable thing. Because it's you have a to thing. Be born in Central Jersey to think that it actually exists. That's right. And it um, so I was born in New Brunswick, and then I lived in Newark, New Jersey. St. Peter's? Um, actually, yes. I started off, no, I started off in one, and they moved me to the other one. I was very premature. I was only like 28 weeks. Oh, wow. And um, so long story short, I'm a miracle baby. And um, 
I was like three pounds, 14 ounces. And, and, um, yeah. So yeah. we're glad you're here. So I'm alive yeah. and I'm here and, um, and we love it. And then I lived in Newark and moved around various places in what I would call North Jersey. Then I moved to South Jersey, which is, well, I lived near Princeton. So a little town called Plainsboro, which looked exactly like what it sounds like. Um, and that is where I spent the majority of my secondary education in Plainsboro. Princeton. Oh, Near Princeton, nicely. about 10 minutes it's, outside of Princeton. It leads nicely, I think, into the next question. Yes. Um, which I guess I'll go ahead. Feel free. Since I already yeah, kind of started. Nice. I got a little so, distracted. So, yeah, feel um, free, Ms. So, uh, next question, Ms. Mirnick. Uh, where did you go to school? So, I went to school in New Jersey. My mom actually worked at Rutgers University. I applied to one school, which was Rutgers University, and I figured if I didn't get in, I would apply to other schools. Um, so that is a common New Jersey thing. I went to Rutgers University for undergrad as well as grad school. So I um, did the five-year master's in education program. I majored in psychology as well as Spanish, and my minor was education. Then I graduated with my master's in education with an elementary focus, actually. And then I went to a whole lot more school after I came to Virginia to get my ESOL certification and, and other things. Which campus were you on? I was on the New Brunswick campus. Um, no right, kidding. Yeah, That's, right there. Yeah, I grew up in Piscataway. Yes. And uh, I know we've talked about this offline, but we actually, there is a small window. Very small window. Where we where lived, we lived on the same street oh, at the same wow. time. Yes. And have found each other once again here in Northern Virginia. And it's a little teeny town called Manassas Park. It is such a small world. Such a small world. So we're going to go to the third question, if you don't mind. Sure. What inspires you to go into education? So a lot, well, there are a lot of different factors which inspired me to go into education. The first thing that inspired me was just having really good quality teachers growing up. And basically I feel like without their support, I would not be where I am today. Um, the second thing is that I did work study. It was called America Reads Project Literacy. And it was my work study in university. My initial goal was to be a Spanish-speaking psychologist, hence the major in Spanish and psychology, right? But then I had the opportunity to work with children at the local elementary school, which is called Lincoln Elementary, right up the street from the campus. And at that moment, I decided I wanted to teach. And then I changed my major, well, not change it, added a major and decided to work a little bit harder so I could catch up my classes and then get into the master's program. So I just want to be what teachers were for me, which was a support, um, yeah, in any way possible. Gotcha. What is the role of a school? I feel like that is such a loaded question because we force children to attend school, like the government forces children to attend school. And it is our job to foster students as learners to prepare them for life, to give them the skills and the mindset really to be successful after they graduate. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a good answer. That's actually a really good answer because the compulsory nature of through secondary school yeah. Yeah. makes it wonder what is the role of that school? You're the first person to actually bring that up. So our last question, and this is my favorite question. What are three books that you've read that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body? So it's really funny because I read this question. And um, when I was young, I used to read books like People Drink Water. Um, I was just like a not like 
avid reader. I was kind of antisocial. I'd read on the playground. I would read nonstop. I would read the same books over and over again. So when I read this question, I kind of felt like, well, which book? Or like, I feel like I just grew up in a sea of books, of knowledge. So I just picked some that I actually remember that stood out to me or some that I've read repeatedly. And the first one's pretty interesting because given the nature of the political, where we are right now, eh, but the book was very inspiring to me when I read it. It was called Gifted Hands. It was about Ben Carson. It was by Dr. Ben Carson about yes. the, sur the successful Sizzle surgery. surgery yep. um, where he separated two twins that were um, conjoined in their brain. In their the head, yeah. Yeah, and he was At like the, the crown friend. of the scalp. Yeah, and he was the first person to do it. And it was very inspiring about how he grew up and like he grew up poor and he was able to make something of himself. And um, that was a very inspiring book. And another one is not even a novel, but it's a short story, and I actually forced my students to learn it as well. Sure. It's called, the, it's called The Necklace. It's by, I don't even know how to say his name. It's like Guy de... Guy de Passant. See, there you know. Go. Thank you, Mr. Teacher. Yes. Yes. English teacher, English yes. teacher yeah. in the <laughs> building. Guy de Malpassant, right? Yes, it's a French story, but I really love the story because it really kind of talks about don't pretend to be something that you're not. Absolutely. And there are consequences of, you know, like lying, pretending. I mean, there's just so many different levels of it. It's super short. It's a quick read, but it has a strong moral. It's just a short story with a good moral. So I like that story. And um, I just picked Diary of Anne Frank because, I mean, it was a good book and I felt really bad for her at the end. You know, It is a very good book. There's actually, and I remember reading the Diary of Anne Frank, I want to say either middle school or high school. The one thing that stood out to me is she. there's this part in the book where she talks about there was a reward for diaries and journals of people who were hiding from the Nazis. And she said, everyone tried to get my, my diary, but I wouldn't let them. And of course, reading that with foresight, yeah. and we, you know, it was pretty clear that we knew the ending of her story. Yeah. Uh, she tragically died in the concentration camp. But it, and she and didn't get refugee status. She did not. Um, yeah. That's, you know, that, at the time, that's the, you know a little bit of the untold story. Of, yeah of uh, the constant fight to expand the refugee status and to extend that to as many people as in need. But knowing that in my mind, it's, it's humorous in the book because she says they wanted you talking to the to her diary, but that I wouldn't let them have you. You're for me and for my, these are for my personal thoughts. And it was interesting to me that we still wound up getting those thoughts, yeah. you know, and it having that, that book was a real connection to that time for me, you know, yes. I, we grew up in the, uh, most of us grew up, we're all 90s, 80s babies, but 90s kids. Mm -hmm. um, I was born in 1991. Well, uh, <laughs> won't hold it against close, you. Close. Young enough, but, I mean, old enough, young enough. But you know, we saw the 90s, which is 50 years removed from the end of World War II and still had this connection to this young woman who um, saw the worst. Yeah. And so I, I just find it interesting that you bring that up. It's a very good book, I absolutely, uh, I remember it vividly. I guess probably because of how how graphic yes it was. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember it because you know she talked about a crush that she had. Yes. She talked about like I said that to me. I wanted they wanted you, but I wouldn't have you. Um, it was a real connection to a person at a time uh, long past. And hopefully we can continue to use that as a tool to explain to people like, hey, you know, this is a thing that happened. Um, so thank you for answering those three. Uh, I have those. I'll put those in the show notes okay. so that awesome. everyone will be able to check out these books. And we, you know, I recommend, hey, check that out, especially The Necklace. I read The Necklace. And the Necklace, necklace. Is, is really, really good. He also wrote a story called Two Friends. Oh, yes. Which if you were in my English 10 class, <laughs> yes. you've probably read. Mm -hmm. 
That's a that's a plug for Mr. Moreland's English class. I don't know if they sponsor the show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they do. But if so, request it or anything. Yes, but, uh, I mean, I, I made my I made my ESL students read the necklace the last that's month. Right. Period. If you I, if you want to yeah. read a good book or a good story, you got a friend in Gee. That's right. <laughs> so with that being said, we are now going to take another quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our burning question. And we are back for our final segment of this week's episode of Practice What You Teach, and this is our burning question. So this is where we get four of the best and brightest minds that I know of, at least three of them, excluding myself, and we're going to talk about what do we do when the system fails? I left this question pretty open. Hopefully, uh, that means I have to explain myself. But when I say, what do we do when the system fails? What do we do when the main apparatus by which we accomplish the things that we do on a regular basis doesn't work? Whether that be, as Ms. Mernick brought up in our pre, pre-taping pre discussion, what if the internet goes down? What do we do? Mr. Mullen had a very, very good answer. But I'm thinking we can go a little deeper than that. What do we do if, say, we can't use the school building? What do we do if, say, the fire department's unable to do its job? What if the local government can't work? What if the state government doesn't work? What if the entire medical system of the United States goes down? So my question really is, what do we do when the things that we rely on don't work like they're supposed to? And as our guest, Ms. Mirnick, what are your thoughts? So when the system fails, and that could be any system, as right? The, as broad as, as or as narrow broader, as you like. Broader, as narrow. So for me, what I'm learning in my personal life is that I have a system of, I have a way of operating. Sure. Right? It's kind of ingrained into me from childhood, a variety of experiences. I have a way of operating. My way of operating is taking on way too many things to do. Okay. And then trying to do them all. Somewhat successfully. Okay. Somewhat unsuccessfully, but somewhat successfully. Um, this system works until it doesn't. That's fair. You So, like, I will take on, like, six different things. And then I will feel competent in those six different things. And then suddenly one thing will happen in one aspect of my life. And it will be a domino effect where I'll feel incompetent in all six all of a sudden. So what do I do when the system fails? I think for me, the first thing I need to realize is exactly what my system is. And secondly, I think I need to revamp my system or tweak my system. And I'm talking about internally. So this is something that I do have control over, realize that I have control over it, and then make changes accordingly. So what do I do when my lifestyle system fails? Take a step back, recalibrate, and continue to work. I continue to do what I need to do. So that is probably the narrowest scope of a system, like a lifestyle, but that's something that I can talk about because it's me. Got it. I like that a lot because it's it's awareness, you know, knowing what the system is, knowing that there is a system. A lot of people assume that there's this in video hand uh, that makes things work. But to know that you have a system and then know that, hey, I have to have a process if it doesn't work to go from there. So let me jump over to our special guest host, Mr. Kylie. What? What do we do if the system fails? So um, I kind of, Miss Mirnick kind of was on the very micro scale. When I thought of this, I kind of brought it out to the macro scale. And the first thing I thought of was this idea of political efficacy, which I had 
I remember learning about years ago an AP government and how it has um, been on the decline for decades. And political efficacy, it's basically just um, if you have political efficacy, you feel like you are able to change things and have a voice. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, I then I started thinking about it a little more. And I think just that idea of having, a, you know, if things start to fail around you, you know, whether whatever that is, you know, whether it's, you know, your personal system or other things, you know, kick in the school building or whatever. It's just, you know, finding the alternatives, you know, that kind of self-confidence, self-reliance, you know, it's like, you know, it's like not, you know, kind of not sticking to what you've known before, being able to adapt, being able to, you know, think on the fly. So, you know, whatever, you know, I I just like the idea of, I kind of like the idea of the system failing. Not, not gonna lie, I like to change things up, switch things up, and you know, have things be new, exciting. So that's kind of where I went with it. My thoughts on it were, yeah. I think that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I, I'll be candid with you. Political efficacy was a part of what I was thinking of. I actually came up with this question. I was reading a news article um, talking about why maybe some candidates start to appear over time, or maybe you, know, you start to see quote unquote populists or quote unquote people who are trying to get rid of one thing or replace it with another thing. And that's a part of where this question came from. And I'm glad you took it there because that's really where I wanted to go, yes. <laughs> but not explicitly. I wanted to be able to kind of implicitly come up with that answer. And uh, you did that. So thank hey, you so much, Mr. Kylie. <laughs> Mr. Moreland, uh, we've talked about, we talk about systems a lot actually. And have had many discussions on how we think the thing, how things should run in general. Uh, what do we do when the system fails? Uh, well, on like a very minor level, uh, we had an incident, I believe it was either last year or the year before, where the electricity that went out. That was last year, second semester. And I usually have uh, textbooks in my classroom. Yes, I helped everybody, you move them this semester. Yes, everybody makes fun of me because they're like, what do you use these for? Nobody uses textbooks anymore. Well, we do because A, if the story is in the textbook, you might as well open the textbook and read the story from the textbook. But also, uh, if something were to happen, like the electricity were to go out, we actually did this last year when that happened. We opened up the textbook and we read a story and answered the questions at the end of it. That was, you know, good old fashioned, like how it used to be done. I think we call that uh, old school book learning. Yes. Okay. And, you know, was it as effective as it could have been with the technology and all those things. Well, you can make an argument for that, but at least we had something to do. Like we didn't sit around twiddling our thumbs or thinking, you know, okay, well uh, you guys can play on your phones if you want. No, we actually were doing work because we had the ability to do so. We improvised like Mr. Kelly was suggesting. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what to do, sitting around doing nothing's not going to help. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people do, like on a grander scale, a lot of people do rely on uh, some aspects of the system. And if that were to fail, uh, a lot of people would be in trouble. Like, for example, our friend uh, from the news story, Mr. Black, he's Absolutely. a 91-year-old oh, yeah. man. I'm sure that, you know, if he's not drawing from Social Security, he's probably got retirement or something like that. Pension or 401k? Yes. Yeah, so if that fails, which people have been talking about the collapse of social security and welfare, whatever, for a long time. 
It's going to impact a lot of people. So the idea that would be better than just saying, oh, well, then just, you know, do what you need to do or, you know, improvise. I mean, I typically would be the kind of person who would, you know, resort to personal responsibility or self-reliance if I had the capability to do so in a certain situation. But some people don't have that ability. And you're basically talking about people's lives with that case. I mean, I'm not exactly you know, encouraging everybody to be on welfare or take, you know, public aid if they don't need it. But there are people who do. So the concept would be, how do we make the collapse of those things as soft as possible? If they're going to collapse, if they're going to fall, then we need to do something as a society to help the people who need it. And if the people don't actually need the help and are just, you know, taking advantage, then we have to make an, you know, conclusion based on that information. So it's just a matter of the society coming together to support each other, which is how it should be, which is what most mm -hmm. successful societies have, or is it more selfish? Sure. And that's the debate because yes, you can be personally responsible. Yes, you can be resourceful, mm -hmm. but are you being selfish or are you being a force for good? And that's where it gets a little bit, you know, shaky. I can do my own thing. I can do my thing. That's fine. Well, that's fine. But are you doing anything to help other people who may need it? Are you just living for yourself or are you living for a purpose? You know, and if the society, if the system collapses, does the society collapse? Well, that's up to the society. That is. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's, a, that's yeah, really that's, well said. I, I agree with your point completely that. At that point, you have to really take a deep dive and look at everything in totality and make sure you're making the best decision one way or another. I, I come down on this issue in a bunch of, in a variety of different ways. Uh, I appreciate we have the micro perspective, we have the macro perspective from uh, Ms. Mirnick and Mr. Kylie, respectively. And of course, Mr. Mullen, I, I like your perspective as well, because you have to be mindful of how it's affecting people. I think, and this is very personal, this is kind of opening a very personal door. I think if the system fails, any system that fails, then we need to consider replacing it. Um, for the like you said immediately when you had the internet go out, the first thing you did was go grab a textbook, and I think that's brilliant because you immediately replaced that system with a work. And we're back. Uh, I was saying we got cut off. It looks like ten minutes is our limit with this particular technology. But irrespective of that, uh, I think that if the system has failed us, then that means the system needs to be replaced. That means there's a, a glaring weakness in our system. Uh, I believe that at all levels. So at the micro level, I, you know, I think if I'm doing something and my system has failed me, then I have to replace my micro system. If I'm doing it at the macro level and it's not producing the outcomes that I want and it's failed me, then I've got to replace that large system. Um, it means that what do we do when the system fails? We take stock of that system, see where the weaknesses are, see what the stress points have been, and then make a determination on how to improve it or replace it with something that's going to succeed. Um, that's my candid very, very candid assessment of how systems are. I think systems are good when they work. They're not so good when they don't work. And so that's kind of where I'm at on that uh, personally. With all that said, though, Ms. Mirnick had to run. And so we didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye to her on air. But she did say she was awesome as a guest. I said she was great and said thank you. Mr. Kylie, as always, Filling in and doing a great job. <laughs> yes, yeah. Thanks for giving me yes. the opportunity, guys. I know each you, time I just keep getting better and better. You have so, an open yeah. invitation. <laughs> yeah, and we are glad to have you, Mr. Mullen. It's always good to see you. Yes. No, no news on the Twitter front. In case nope. anybody was wondering, we, we will post though. 
Yes, we will post, but you guys got to post back. I mean, don't just like the posts. Tell us what you think. I mean, we're asking for your opinion. Who do you want us to interview? What are you guys looking forward to? We have said had more response to the polls than uh, okay. to the tweet backs. So I guess our poll for this time, I'll, I'll let you make it up, Mr. Hare. Oh, for me? Yes. Well, hmm. I don't really have anything, but in the spirit of this year, with the Oscars just recently going by a couple weeks ago, I guess we could ask the question, which one of the Oscar movies did you watch this year? I know Parasite won the overall Oscar, but there's also Joker. And then I think there were two other movies that got nominated, but I don't know what they are right now. We'll have to get back to you on that. You can follow us on our Twitter, which is at PWUT Podcast or P what? At P what Podcast. Mr. Moreland oh, is furiously <laughs> typing away because Mr. Lumpkin is screaming from Scotland as he listens to this. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Brand new guest, Mr. Moreland? Yes. And Mr. Kylie is going to be filling in because you're going to be I'll in be. Virginia Beach yes. next week or week after? Uh, we're leaving Friday. Of next week? Yes. So we'll record next week. We'll save some time so that Mr. Moreland can go and Mr. Lumpkin will be back. And then you'll fill in for Mr. Moreland. All right. Is that all right, yes. Mr. Kylie? Yeah, I can't And wait. then you'll have an eyewitness report when you get back. Is that right, Mr. Moreland? That's right. Ooh. And we might have a special guest, another special guest. I'm very excited. So with all that being said, I'd like to thank you for listening. You can follow us on our Twitter at, at PWT Podcast or oh, uh, at P What Podcast. At P What Podcast. Thank you for listening to Practice What You Teach. And thank you. Good night and good luck.